Hi friends, and welcome to the Fullness of Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Matheson. Here at the Fullness of Joy, we talk about hard things in light of the gospel. We encourage our hearts by reminding ourselves of the truth day in and day out. I pray this encourages your heart and that you're challenged to know Christ more deeply as a result. I am so glad you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Fullness of Joy podcast. I am so excited to be with you all again after a little bit of a hiatus. I actually didn't intend to take so much time off from the podcast, but life has been very full over the last few months. At the end of April, my family and I were able to travel to Orlando for a family vacation and a reunion with my husband's side of the family, which was very sweet and fun. And we also got to see some sweet friends of ours that we used to um, be close with that lived in the same town as us. Then the month of May hit, and along with it, four out of the five of our immediate family's birthdays. So three of us were born in the first week of May, and then my husband's birthday is two weeks after mine. Then my dad's birthday is at the end of May, and my mom's is in the first week of June. So needless to say, we were celebrating nearly every day, it seemed. Then, not to mention the end of the school year, our oldest got her license, and then I attended my first writer's conference at the end of May. So it's been a whirlwind, that's for sure. But through the last several months, I've been thinking about this sweet little space so much and missing talking with you each week and praying about what the Lord would have me share here. And over the last several years, I have been captivated by learning about and also just getting to know personally the Holy Spirit on a deeper level. So, you know, it's it's just, it's very easy to be a Christian and to look as though you've got it all together, but then not actually be living in a way that truly exalts Christ. And oftentimes these are not like really big sins, right? These are more those subtle sins and those acceptable things that we say, mm, is it really that bad? And those patterns of behavior that we get into that keep us from living in victory. So this is when your life is devoid of the spirit. And so you may think, well, how do I even know if I have a life that's filled with the Spirit? Well, Galatians 5.23 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so a person who's submitted and surrendered to the Spirit of God will exhibit those qualities more and more as they are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. This isn't about trying harder, doing more, but rather walking with God in an intimate and intentional way. I am really excited about this series and we're going to be alternating between interviews and teaching episodes. And for the first fruit of the spirit, you're in for a real treat because today I get to welcome a longtime friend of mine who's like a big sister to me. Her name is Jenny Armstrong. And I get to welcome her to the podcast today, and I cannot wait for you to get to know her. Our conversation was so rich and full that I had to split it into two episodes. So this week is part one, and next week I will share with you part two. Enjoy. Well, hello, Jenny. Welcome to the Fullness of Joy. How are you today? Thank you, Jessica. I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having I'm me. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Well, for the listeners, Jenny and I have been friends for over a decade. She's an incredible woman of God, and I'm so excited for y'all to get to know her today. So we'll just kick off, first of all, 
I just want to let everyone know that we're beginning our summer series on the fruit of the spirit today. And you came to mind as the person that I wanted to talk to about this because you are so incredible. The first fruit of the spirit is love. And as soon as I thought about this episode, I was like, I've got to talk to Jenny. Um, You're a licensed professional counselor. So you see a lot of clients and you deal with a lot of different issues and you just, you speak the truth and you encourage women to walk in the truth. And so I am just so excited for everyone to get to know you. So before we dig into some questions and just talk through that fruit of the spirit today, I would love for you to just introduce yourself. So tell us about yourself, how you spend your days, who makes up your family? What do we need to know about Jenny? (laughs) Thank you for this opportunity. Jessica, I feel like I have the greatest job in the world. I work individually with women in counseling. Um, It's how I spend my days and my time. I work with women above the age of 18 and a spiritually integrative practice. So I am someone who explicitly uses um, Christian resources. I'm um, trained in spiritual formation. That's where my doctoral work was. Um, I'm licensed as an individual counselor, um, as a therapist in the state of Georgia, but I'm also for what people would usually laugh when it's usually what they remember about me is I'm a Christian sex therapist. So I work with women in sexual health as well, all sorts of things from relationships to sometimes romantic relationships that can mean marriage or divorce or premarital or singleness or dating or sometimes trauma or abuse. Mm. And so Mm. I just feel like I get to walk with women in really deep, intimate places. But most importantly, um, not only working with what psychology does and the soul, but even more so connecting them in the spirit to what God's Mm. doing. So it's such a privilege. I feel so grateful. So I love it. Oh, that's incredible. I love that too. And I think that it's so fun that I get to call you Dr. Jenny Armstrong now. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this. You put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for that doctorate. You're not kidding. Yeah. Able to use, and it's just, I love that you said a spiritually integrative practice because there is, if we are not able to integrate our faith into the help that we need, then it's just some good advice. Like we have to have the Lord. And so I Mm -hmm. love that you're able to integrate that into your practice and that you're able to help women see like, this is what God says, and this is what's true. And this is how you can walk in it. And Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So let's get right into it. So the first fruit of the spirit is love. And I really would like for us to talk to today about just the world's version of love versus Christ's love, because, you know, we are told so many lies about love and, you know, we see it in all different places through media, social media, through, um, just so many different avenues that were hit at every single day. So it'd be impossible to cover all of the different ways that the world thwarts love. (laughs) But I do want us just to consider what God's love looks like and how that should affect us as believers in Christ. And I mean, I'm sure that this is something that you see all the time is like that understanding of God's love that has to be foundational. So how should that affect us as believers in Christ when we consider God's love? Well, I was thinking, just as you were saying that, that there's a phrase that my pastor uses a lot when he talks about the difference in Christianity versus other religions. And he makes this comment. He says, other religions is about what we need to do for the very gods of different religions, what what you have to do to prove that you're worthy for Mm. their love. And he said, the difference in Christianity is all about what God did for you. 
and how you take that on and live out of that. And to me, that is the difference is about what God's love encompasses is what he gave and us living out of giving, not only receiving that love from him, but giving it away. It's the difference between taking and giving. And Mm so um, the, the love that, I don't know, people talk about in the world, and I talk about this so much as a sex therapist with women and talking about the difference, even with like premarital sexuality versus covenant intimacy that God has marriage for. And our culture is a sex therapist. So a lot of what we consider love is coming from that root of lust. And for us, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, so much of our, even the way we live as women um, and the way we view ourselves as a lovable comes from a culture of pornography. And it's all about taking from you, exposing you vulnerably, and then someone else deciding if you're worth it or valuable enough to love you. So it's taking from you to meet their needs. And what God is actually, yes, it's heartbreaking. And we, what Mm -hmm. happens is we constantly feel the, the um, self-talk that I hear so often is not enough. I'm not enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. I'm unloved. I'm not chosen. I'm broken. I'm damaged. And that is such a lie. That's not how God sees us. That is how the world and often the enemy has conditioned us to see ourselves. But that is not true. And what God says is, I know you. I have formed you before the foundation of the world. I have chosen you. And even I love those words um, in Genesis. He formed Adam, but the word is actually different in Hebrew. He fashioned Eve. And it mm. even has a, a, an, um, a denotation of almost like lifting her up and so gently breathing life into her. And just like almost like this beautiful, gentle caress, like you would a sculpture, you know, just forming something. And that's how he feels about us. We are his bride. We are his women, men also, but I know we're speaking to women. So, and I work with women. So I'm going to speak to women today, not negating men and all that they are right. but for you, for you um, who have been so marginalized and so um, convinced that you don't have worth and value. God so loved you that he came in this radical expression of love to choose you, to make Mm. you his own. And so I think that that's, if we knew that type of love, that's unconditional that he says, um, in, um, Jeremiah an everlasting love that cannot be changed. We would really change the way we view ourselves if we could really get that. And I think that's so much of what we're talking about today. The fruit of love is born of the spirit. It's a tangible. It doesn't come from you. It comes from the spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit within you. And it bears something tangible, not only for you to feed you in truth, but the fruit is also for you to give away to others. Oh gosh, I love that. And I think that it's so clear how the culture's lies about what love is have damaged so many women's um, just mental and emotional health because they are sitting under that lie of shame and that belief that they have to work to earn God's love when it's been given freely to them. So Mm -hmm. how can a believer in Christ, specifically, like we said, women, how can they receive that love and not walk in that shame? Because perhaps something has happened to them or they have made different choices that they know were wrong. And like you said, abuse, trauma, so many different things. And this is not even even necessarily with sex in particular, just so many different things that happen in our lives, trials and suffering that make us say, how could a loving God, 
how could a loving God? So many people look at Christianity, like you said, you know, they look at Christianity and think, okay, well, that's all great, but where was God when this? Or how was this loving of God to let this happen to me? So how can a believer in Christ receive God's love and truly believe his love is true and real and not walk in that shame or that bitterness, if that makes sense? Right. Well, it's funny. Um, I've actually had a conversation with someone earlier today. And one of the ways, just as you talked about, um, there's so many repercussions of sin. And I think that one, shame comes from sin. And some of it's our own choice, right? But also often, so often, it's a heritage of sin or even generational sin or ways we've experienced and have um, taken in the consequences of sins of others and the way we're still carrying that around. So um, shame is a breeding ground for grief. Mm. And so many times we don't even give ourselves permission to grieve and have compassion towards ourselves. It always it feels easier and trauma to take the whole burden and responsibility on yourself because it makes you feel like you've reestablished control. And mm. so um, just had the conversation with someone today, we we're trying to work through resolving grief. And the whole point was, um, how could God let this happen? And th- those, we don't always have those answers, do we? Or at least right. if we, if we do, maybe we don't, may not have them in that moment, or even if God's giving them, maybe we don't have the capacity to see and understand in the moment. And yet he wants us to be able to get engaged with those emotions. Um, and so I think that's, well, first of all, is really important is I think for each of us, one of the ways to experience God's love in those places is to process through grief. And we do that ourselves with God, but we also do that in safe community. And hopefully we also do that in counseling or in pastoral care as well. Um, that's a really good thing to do. Um, but shame comes as a result of sin. Uh, like I said, some of our own, some of others, but also it comes from the enemy too. Mm, Shame is yes. something that's a pressure that is being placed on people from the outside. Um, when the Holy Spirit brings a conviction for sin, it's something that moves us from within. So it moves us towards something that leads to life. You can always tell shame the difference than being convicted by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is trying to, within us, move us out of what's hurting us move us out of what is partnering us with a lie towards what's going to be life-giving and healing and fruit-bearing. Shame is trying to push you externally from the outside, isolate you, condemn you, separate you from what will be life-giving. I think we really see this though. It begins, I think Jessica, specifically in the garden. We look back at Genesis three and, you know, this is the story for all women when Eve was there and looking at the fruit, walking around. And the thing is, we have to ask ourselves as women, and we just need to admit, we're always walking around. I mean, we're always looking around, comparing ourselves and comparing ourselves and with other situations. And that is the truth. (laughs) It is a fault that we have. We struggle with that. And um, then she was vulnerable. That comparison made her vulnerable to enter into the manipulation and deceit of the serpent. But what happened is instead when she and Adam, God came and called them out. He wasn't, um, he was bringing that even before the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. He was inviting them out towards him, towards reconciliation with himself. And he was inviting that sense of healthy conviction for sin that they would confess and disclose so that he could bring a sense of covering. But instead what he found is that they had already tried to cover themselves 
And that's what Shane right. gets us to do. We don't actually bring not it too up. well either. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, this fig leaves, that is not going to last, They're, right? They, not, those weren't going to last. <laughs> probably wasn't great coverage. Um, but I was like, hopefully it wasn't poison ivy. We've never really thought about that, but that would be, that's about what I feel like that's kind of what my, like my own coverings I come up with are always about that type of quality. Um, but God, he, sin is not able to be covered. It has to be atoned for. Mm. And God was showing us in that very moment. Shame tells us we have to cover our own sin or the sin of others and hold on to it. We have to hide it. God's saying we need to bring it out into the light and it needs to be atoned for. At that moment, Genesis 3, it was through that blood sacrifice of the animal. And then he made skins to cover them, not cover it up, the sin, but to cover them and bring Mm. a sense of covering, redeeming And there's a big difference there. I love that you said that. A very big difference. Jesus Mm. atoned for our sins once and for all. So as New Testament believers, the cross of Christ atoned for our sins, everyone. And so we have to just come under that covering that he's offering us. And um, it's different than the world's narrative of what we should be. Um, we have a false image of love. We were made to serve others. That shame, it, it actually um, accuses us of lies and it um, condemns us for it. It tries to isolate. God's love is trying to fill us, um, bring us out. To me, the most important things I encourage women to do in my counseling practice are two wonderful spiritual disciplines that are part of spiritual formation. One is this wonderful practice of confession before the Lord, not this accusatory, um, but instead of, Hey God, I've done this or, Hey, this has happened to me. And we bring it out from where we, the shame tries to keep it hidden, bring it out into the light. Um, scripture tells us when we do that, it doesn't just become visible. It says, it becomes light. It means mm. God takes it and makes it his own. He absorbs it in just like Jesus on the cross. And then, then not only confession, but then repentance, we pivot and turn towards that conviction of the Holy spirit. We turn and go a different way. We break the shame cycle. Um, it happens. The shame wants to reside in our soul and we need to open up these wounds and bring them into light so that healing and transformation can happen. I love that. I love that you said like confession is just telling him. (laughs) Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be this huge, big, long diatribe. It's just like, this is what happened. And we can get so in our heads of thinking that Mm -hmm. we have to say things the right way. And what if I mess something up or what if I leave something out or, well, did I do it this? And we just, ah, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he's just like, just talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) Just talk Talk to to me. Yeah, and often I love too, that. for the police version of confession, you think about that you're in a dark room all by yourself and a spotlight comes on you and you're being interrogated by God and <laughs> just tell me the truth. I'm sure you know? that's a lot of people's, yeah, a lot of people's <laughs> imagination of like, well, I'm under, I'm like in the hot seat, essentially mm-hmm. of like, I better fess up or, or else, you know, and like you just said, it's not that you better tell him or else it's that he wants to absorb that and bring you grace and peace and that covering and not, and not have you walk in shame. Like that shame isn't coming from him. So I love that you said that it's all about what Jesus did on the cross and the father's reflection, the, the reflection of the father's heart through that. That's beautiful. So as we're looking at like, 
how we can understand God's love better for us. Jesus told the disciples that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if we're looking at, okay, this is what God's love is for us. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on what has or hasn't happened to us or what we have or haven't done. It's not based on anything except for the fact that he himself is love. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. So if we can somehow begin to wrap our minds around that, or at least live in the truth of that, how do you define what it means to love God? Because we have such a conditional view of love. I mean, I see this in myself, you know, <laughs> you know, me, you know, my husband, and I see this even now I'm like, okay, we've been married almost eight years and I have been convicted lately because I'm like half the time, I, my love is very conditional. And that is horrible to say, but it's the truth. I'm like, well, if he would do this or, well, if I, if I, if I didn't have to say this, then maybe that, you know, my love can be very conditional. And that's what the person that knows me best, that is literally my soul Mm -hmm. is tied to. Yeah. (laughs) So how do we love God? How, how do we do that? How, how do we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength when our view of love is so, it, it is so, so warped? Yeah. Well, this um, that you made reference to about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. The, the, the first mention of that premise is in Deuteronomy chapter six. And that mm-hmm. is um, a part of scripture that's called the Shema. And so that's actually very integral to Jewish culture. And so that word love, in the Hebrew is called ve'ahavta, which means mm. to love, to have affection for as a friend. And I mm. love that. Like, mm-hmm. are you building friendship with God? Like really to get mm-hmm. to know him to where you like, not only have a sense of love, but also a sense of like have things in yeah. common sort mm-hmm. of um, inside jokes, um, <laughs> understanding, that. understanding character and ways. Um, obedience, respect, honor, even following God out of love and relationship, um, is more of what he's looking for. Um, it's having someone that we can actually know that we believe in rather than something we're just like a a fan of. It's a difference between having like a real relationship, a true friendship with someone than just being a follower or a fan. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're, we're not just wanting someone that's like, celebrity status, you know? Um, and so, um, because that's far removed, like most of us do not actually know a celebrity. We could tell you like, Oh, their, their color hair is brown and all these things and tell you a lot of facts, but we don't have relationships with celebrities. Right. And then we don't really know if the little glimpse or snapshot that we know from a distance is true. We Mm -hmm. don't really Mm -hmm. know. We, we may have had cognitive experience, so we don't actually have that experiential connection to the heart where it's a true knowing. Um, I like in Luke chapter 10, there's another mention of this. And this Greek word is agape, agapao. It's, it's basically kind of that root word for like agape love that we mm-hmm. hear about so often in the church. And that means to love, to wish well, to take pleasure in, to long for, to love of reason and esteem. And I love that. So you hear like even more so um, in that Hebrew, you hear predominantly that meaning, like that sense of deep friendship. But in Luke, it's that sense of longing, loving, loving deeply um, to take pleasure in. There's almost even more of a sense of 
a romantic type of love. I'm, I want to not only love you and depth of friendship to me is where relationship starts. But then as Jesus came and walked the earth, they knew about God. I think that it was almost a sense of, I'm almost like falling in love with you because I've walked right. here and known you, I've known you in the mm-hmm. truth and in the flesh and not just known you and then about you through your words. And so, um, it's interesting. I think about, um, to love the Lord with all of your heart. This actually, it's not just to love him with some of your heart. He wants you to love him with all of your heart. And this mm-hmm. is one of the big things I've talked about with so many women here. And this is true for all of us, um, that we have to confront idolatry in our hearts, yes. even for things that are good, even mm-hmm. for things that can seem Christian or mm-hmm. seem godly. But Exodus 22, that's where the Ten Commandments are. I always think about this. And the first mention in scripture, anytime you're seeing something and whatever is first, that God has first. And that's the first one he said was, there will be no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I think all we want to do is build little altars and put people yes. on them. <laughs> yeah, we want to yep. make it's like, people and it doesn't have to be, or things or dreams or ideas. Right, yeah. right. And it doesn't even have to be instead of God. It's God and it, it right. competes with no other gods before me. And I think that one of the hindrances for us to love Him with all of our heart are those little things that we just need to purge ourselves of whatever we put in place of Him or even addition to him that keep us from loving and living. And um, people are like, how do I know if I'm doing this? This I use this, I don't know how many times a week we talk about this passage of scripture in here. I go back to John 15 and this wonderful story about us abiding in the vine where he gives the, the father is the vine dresser and Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. And people always say, what is my purpose in Christ? I'm like, it's right there to bear much mm-hmm. fruit. It's mm-hmm. right there. Like, and so we know when we are doing that, when we have idolatry, it's God and it's like, we start to feel a little dry. We start to feel a little brittle. We start to feel a little isolated and lonely and separated. And that's to me, is that that's where that wonderful discipline, right? As we talked about before, I, Jesus, I think I'm kind of like pulling away from you. I think it's, mm-hmm. he said, he says, I don't change. He's right. the word did not change. You're so the one changed. who moved. So he's like, okay, confess. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm doing it. I don't know that I'm doing it, but now yeah. all of a sudden I realize I'm dry. Help me pivot. Help me repent and turn back into you and let your mm. life, your love flow in me and produce fruit, produce good fruit. Like what we're talking about today, your spirit flow through me and produce that fruit of love to where it's, it's not even of me. It's a supernatural, all encompassing giving that not only do I receive it from me, but I have so much more to give away. So I think that that's, mm-hmm. I mean, these are some of the ways to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, it goes into that place. We said friendship, um, really knowing him, not just being a fan of, but true friendship, right. true knowing, but also that there were that really knowing and doing life with him, encountering him and letting that true love or even being in love because you know the person. Like I am... I'm just raptured by who you are. Like it's a sense of like, I have a, I'm having an obsession. I hear people I have an obsession with just a good thing to have an obsession with. Um, but also just to let him show us whether or not we are leaning into him and abiding in him because his love then can flow through us and we'll see the fruit in our lives as a result. 
Hi friends, before you go, I want to tell you a little something. Earlier this year, I started offering one-on-one coaching sessions to women who feel weary and overwhelmed. This is a faith-based life coaching. And in these sessions, I get to work with women to make and reach their goals. And I help them move from just going through the motions to truly walking with Jesus and enjoying the life that he's given them. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, I would love to hear from you. You can get more information on my website and in the show notes, you can send me a message or book a free call to just see if this is something that's right for you. One of my clients said this in a testimonial. She said, I pursued coaching with Jessica because I wanted to help help with finding a way to feel connected to God again. He had been distant for so long, I wasn't sure how or where to start to draw near to him again. Jessica made it practical and attainable to rekindle my intimacy with God. I want that for you, friends. If that's something that you desire and that you need, reach out to me. Friend, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this show. I created it to share the truth of God's word with those near and far. I pray it's been a blessing to you. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please leave a review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend. That will help more people find it and help more people find the fullness of joy. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day.